So the first wedding I ever officiated was in Chicago, Illinois, and Abby was the maid of honor. And it was the wedding of her best friend from childhood, Alicia. Have you ever gotten yourself in a situation where you had no idea what you were doing? That was that wedding for me. Like, I had no clue what was going on. The venue was uh, in Chicago. It wasn't a church, so there wasn't really anyone to help out. The clueless pastor, they're just kind of like, good luck to you. And I did research. I mean, I asked different pastors before I got there that day. I listened to what the bride and groom wanted in their wedding and, and all of that. But I stood on the platform and I was, I was pretty nervous. Like I was like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want their story about their wedding to be like the bumbling pastor barely got through, you know, the, the ceremony and stuff. And so we got kind of start going and, you know, you've been to weddings, you kind of know what happens in them. There are vows and rings and we, we kind of get that. And it was right before the end. And the bride had given me two things to kind of close out the service before we do the kiss the bride stuff. Like, so there was a poem that I was going to read and then there was a prayer that I was going to read. So I read the poem and it went great. And I'm like, okay, like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I started and I'm starting to feel myself a little bit like, okay, here we go. And then I began reading the prayer and the prayer started with, Oh father. And then went on to pray for the stuff that you would think that you should pray for in a wedding, you know, for the bride and the groom and for God to guide their marriage. So I said, Oh father. And I took this big pause and instead of me continuing the prayer, everyone in the entire room started talking. I said, oh, Father, and they thought I said, oh, our Father, and they started to say the Lord's Prayer. And so they're like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it was like a train that I couldn't, you know, stop, and they're gone, right? It was like, a, you know, have you seen the Kentucky Derby and the horse? I'm like, and they're off. And I was like, ooh, like, here we go. And I'm up there and I have a microphone and I'm like, do I know this? Like, like sins and forgive us. And, you know, like just kind of mumbling and bumbling through it. And, and then finally, you know, it's like, amen. And I took a beat and I fought the urge to be like, anyway, let's go back to this prayer. So I just kind of finished it out. And I think about that day every once in a while because I get on a platform here and part of what we do here is, you know, we pray and I start prayers. I don't know if you've noticed this. I do not start them with, oh, Father. I usually start them with Heavenly Father, mostly because of, you know, like the flashbacks that I get every time I start a prayer. Now, prayer can be kind of a tricky thing. We don't know how to navigate it. Actually, one of the things that I hear regularly as a pastor is I don't know how to pray. It's a regular conversation that I have. And usually, you know, I'm saying something like, hey, prayer is just talking with God. Like sometimes we make it a little bit more complicated than it should be. And people look at me and they're like, I don't know how to do it. It sounds weird. We kind of want like a walkie-talkie to God, you know, like, God, are you there? Like over, like breaker, breaker one nine, you know, and like, and he'll just tell us what to do and where to go and, you know, all that type of stuff. But we do, you know, have this opportunity to kind of, you know, talk with God. But prayer can be tricky. And so many people say, I don't know how to do it. And also people say, when I do pray, maybe this is you, when I do pray, it doesn't feel like he's listening. Or when I do pray, it doesn't feel like he's, he's there. Or when I do pray, I don't know what words to use. Or, or when I do pray, it doesn't seem to work or, or do anything. Or am I doing it right or maybe you start prayers with like, God, I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're there, but can you help me out? I mean, maybe you're expecting, you know, something, I don't know, lightning to strike, you know, an audible, you know, boom, 
you know, I, I think we just don't know how to navigate, you know, prayers. I've actually been told as a pastor that my prayers count for more, which is not a true thing, by the way. I don't have like the God bat phone in my office that's red and I call him like, tell you what, this is what's happening. Like that's not the way that it happens. We all pray kind of the same way. We all have the same access to God. That's actually part of why it's so incredible. We struggle with this concept of prayer. And there are a lot of reasons why, I think. And one reason, I think, is because we tend to pray not all the time, but when things are really rough, right? Have you ever been there? And I think that that's okay. But we tend to wait until like the last possible moment, like a prayer of desperation. You know, the anxiety won't go away. And you're like, God, are you there? Your depression's weighing you down and you're like, God, maybe I should pray. You know, the collection agency called and you're like, let's pray together before we you know, talk about my debt. Like that's the type of thing that we're, we're in there. Like when we feel alone or when we feel overwhelmed or when we have this huge decision to make, that's when we kind of start to pray. Or when we're sick or when we're scared. I was actually, our whole family had the stomach flu here recently and like we went down like dominoes basically. And I prayed a real prayer that was like, God, please, please take this out of our house. We, we pray because of our situations, because of what's happening around us. And I think that that's okay. I think God wants us to do that. But maybe our foundation of prayer should be something that's a little different. As the old MC Hammer song goes, we've got to pray just to make it today. And I know anyone under 35 has no idea who MC Hammer is. Look him up, kids. You'll find out he's too legit to quit. I'm really proud of that, really. Like, you don't know. I'm so tempted, like, the whole thing is just MC Hammer quotes. That's not good. You know, but you can't touch this. So here we go. <laughs> oh, okay, focus. Okay, here we go. So this series we're, we're starting today is called How He Prays. And, and we're really looking at Jesus and the examples of prayer that Jesus himself gives. You know, he talks about prayer. He also prays sometimes, and that's kind of what we're going through. And we have these sentiments or these songs like we've got to pray just to make it today or living on a prayer or things like that. And they're nice sentiments. But sometimes, I don't know if you're, if you're like this or, or not, but right now I kind of feel like, hey, we pray and sometimes we, we don't know what to expect or the prayer seems to go unanswered or we just don't feel like we know how to do it. So how can we learn how to pray? What can we learn from how Jesus prays? And that's really what this series is all about. And really, what might happen in our lives and in the world if we prayed like Jesus prayed? Now, I thought it was a good idea to start with a definition of prayer, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. And this isn't a fancy definition. It's not complicated, I don't think. Here's my definition of prayer. Prayer is talking with God, it's just having a conversation with him. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit, which is kind of part of who God is, lives in us if we follow Jesus. And, and that's part of talking with God, that he can actually talk to you too. That's not what we're talking about today, but it's, it's this conversation. So think for a second, have you ever had a conversation with somebody who wasn't there, or at least you couldn't see? Maybe it was the person who cut you off, you know, on the way here, and you're like, I'm talking to you. You know, and you all the way here, you're talking to that person like they were here and you're using words that you should not have used. I mean, you know who you are. But we do this all the time. We talk to people who aren't there. Maybe, you know, in a more serious way, somebody who's passed away and you go like, I actually talk to them like they're still there. 
I talk to them like they can hear me. See, we understand the concept of kind of communicating with something or someone that we can't see. And prayer is kind of like that. It's just talking with God. Even if you can't see him, you know, you might talk to him in your head. You might say something out loud. Maybe it's in a group of people like this and you're praying in a group, or maybe you write down a prayer like a letter or a journal. That's actually one of my favorite ways to pray. I absolutely love doing that. I can go back and look at those too. But prayer is just simply, however you do it, it's simply talking with God. That's what it is. But what's not really the problem? We're we're a little bit more worried about how do we go about doing it? Like, how do we pray? What's the best way to do it? Have you ever wanted to just ask Jesus something like that? Like, how do I do it? Just tell me and I'll do it that way and then we're good. Now we're in luck because Jesus actually talks about prayer directly. And he says, pray like this. And he goes on to pray likely the most famous prayer ever uttered. So what can we learn from the Lord's prayer? How can we apply it to our lives today? That's really what we're going to be talking about today. Now, sometimes the Lord's prayer is called our Father. I learned that the hard way. Or the Lord's prayer. It's in, it's in Matthew 6. And now here's the context. Before he, he says this, this famous Lord's prayer is found in the middle of something called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is the sermon that Jesus gives in Matthew 5 through 7. And it starts with saying, one day Jesus went up on the mountainside, the mount, and sat down and began to teach a sermon. That's where the, the phrase comes from, Sermon on the Mount. And the sermon covers a lot of different stuff, all sorts of different stuff. It talks about anger, adultery, divorce, marriage, revenge, love, generosity, prayer, fasting, judging others, and a whole lot of other stuff as well. And around the middle of the message, he talks about prayer. But before he gives the Lord's prayer, and he says, pray like this, he gives some examples of what not to do. Have you ever been taught how to do something by being first taught how not to do something? I remember being trained to use a deli slicer when I started to work at the grocery store Kroger. And like the training video, the first video is like, don't touch the blade. And then the next slide is like, no, seriously, don't touch the blade. It will cut your finger off. And then the third slide is like, this is what the fingers look like when they get cut. No, that's not true. But like, it was that type of intensity. It was like, listen, don't touch the blade. And you're like, well, how does it work? And like, it doesn't matter. Don't touch the blade. It was so important. Yes, I have like three scars on my fingers from touching the blade, but that's not the point. Like, so that's really what Jesus is doing. He's starting before he even gets to the, the prayer. He says, okay, here are a couple of things that are going on right now. And here's what not to do. And here's the first one. Don't pray to impress other people. People were kind of standing and praying very proudly and loudly so other people would be impressed with them. And he says, no, that's your reward. If people are impressed with you, that's it. That's all you get. So actually, maybe you should go off by yourself and pray. And then Jesus gives another example. So he says, don't, don't pray to impress people. Also, don't pray to impress God. At the time, there was a belief that the longer you pray, the more likely God will answer your prayer. Aren't you glad that that's not true? Like the longer you pray, the more likely he is that you're wearing him down, you know, and things like that. 
And so prayer is talking with God. And Jesus is saying, look, there's not magical words or a magical formula or anything like that. It's not a script. It's talking with God. So don't try to impress other people with your prayers. And also don't try to impress God and babble on in your prayers. Now, sometimes the production team gives me a hard time because I babble on sometimes in my prayers. You know, it's two or three sentences and I'm going on. Sometimes I even pray and like I'm praying and, and I forget what I said. And, and like I prayed my, I call it praying myself into a corner because I'm like, no idea where I'm going with this. No idea what I'm saying. So if I ever just stop in the middle of a sentence and I say, amen, that's what's happening because I don't know. But, but the reality is sometimes I think we, this, this, we can relate to this. Sometimes we do pray to impress other people and sometimes we pray to impress God. And he goes, no, 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 that's not, that's not what it is. Jesus is saying how you pray matters a lot So don't do those things instead. And he gives this example. This is kind of the start of the Lord's Prayer. This is Matthew 6, 9. This is is what he says. Pray like this. And we're going to stop there. We'll get to it. We'll get to the rest. But some people think that the Lord's Prayer, really what he's saying is recite this word for word all the time. And this this is what you need to do. Like it is the magic formula. And I don't think that that's what he's saying. Actually, right before that, I think he's saying the exact opposite. So as we get into this, I don't think he's saying pray exactly like this all the time, only use these words or it doesn't count. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, have a heart like this. Pray like this. So what can we learn from the Lord's Prayer? So here's what Jesus prayed. Maybe this, this is familiar a little bit to you. So we're going to read it, you know, just all the way through. This is what he says. Okay, so he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So this is just an example of how to pray. Kind of like ingredients. He's giving us the ingredients. Do you have a family recipe, you know, that you're like, okay, you know, grandma's barbecue sauce and she puts this special kind of you know spice in it and it doesn't taste right unless unless that happens i think that's kind of what he's saying is there are ingredients there are approaches to prayer and he he kind of talks us through that now some companies some restaurants kind of build their entire slogan entire approach around having better ingredients like like this with better ingredients better pizza papa john's now I'll, i'll let you be the judge if that's true or not like, I don't know, maybe you are a Papa John fan. Maybe you're like, absolutely not, I don't know. But the point is, the ingredients matter. How we go about doing it matters. So what can we learn from what he prayed? So we're gonna break it down. We're gonna start with how he starts and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. So this is how he starts the prayer. He goes, our Father in heaven. So first and foremost, I think this helps us remember who are we praying to? That's what it starts with. It's like addressing a letter, but I want to just point out a few things. First, the word our. This is a thing to do together. This is a community thing. So yes, absolutely go and pray on your own, but do it together too. That matters. It's a community thing that we get to do. Also, our father. It's like saying a a, a dad, daddy, in, in the best, purest possible sense. Somebody who loves you so much that he wants his very best for you in all aspects all the time. But it's not just 
a community thing or, or an intimate thing. It's also in heaven. Our dad who has the power to create and to change things. That's how he starts the prayer. Our father who is in heaven. And then he dives in. So he says our father in heaven. And then he gets two sets of three. So the first three go together. And then the second three go together. So the first th- three say things about him. And then the second three say things about us. So here we go. We're going to read it together. Our Father in heaven, here's number one. May your name be kept holy. Number two, may your kingdom come soon. Number three, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see him? Number one, number two, number three. Just starts with the word may. Basically saying, hey, we're inviting him into this. So let's just go one by one. We're not going to spend ages and ages on each one, but we'll talk about each one. So let's talk about this first one. May your name be kept holy. What does that mean? I think it means a couple of things. But the first thing I think it means is that we should treat the name of God with respect. So that literally means, hey, don't use God's name in in vain. Don't cuss God out. Think about how you're communicating about God and to God. Why, though? Well, this word holy, that means that God is worthy. You heard the word awesome? Like, God's really awesome. We use awesome pretty casually, but God really is worth our awe. Like, we're blown away by who he is. So may your name be kept holy is really talking about, hey, that we should respect who God is and what he is doing. And also the way we behave should show people what he's all about. What we do impacts people's view of God, right? I think that's what he's talking about here. May your name, God, by who we are, be kept holy, but also because it is holy. So that's the first one. We start with God and we focus on God and we go, this is who you are, God. Here's the second one. May your kingdom come soon. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is praying this prayer, right? God's kingdom coming soon. I think Jesus is talking about the cross. And he's saying your kingdom come on earth is is basically Jesus coming from heaven to earth because of God's love for us. So this is still all about God and what he's doing in the world. He's talking about the cross and what's about to happen. I think he's also talking about the impact that the cross has today. So so he's saying, okay, may your name be kept holy. You're amazing, God. And also you're amazing because of what you're doing right now through the cross. And then that leads to this third one. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does God desire? What is his hope for today? And he desires our devotion, our surrender, our obedience, our love and for that love to be expressed to everyone we meet. Do we really desire our will or God's will? We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks in a little bit more detail because Jesus prays that multiple times. So what's the summary, the first set of three? What's the point that Jesus is making? All right, here it is. Focus on God. Those three statements are all really about God, more about God than they are about us. Now, we still need to respond. We still need to live them out. But the object of our prayer is really God and what he wants and who he is. Why is that important? How much of your prayer life is about God? Or how much of your prayer life is about you? 
That's why it's important. If we reflect on what we're really saying when we talk with God, I don't think our focus tends to start with God. It really starts with our desire for our lives rather than God's desire for our life or what our kingdom might be or what our will might be rather than what he hopes and requires of us. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and it's a one-sided conversation like they are talking about themselves the entire time and you're like, I'm out. I don't want to keep having this conversation. You're like, okay, I I get it. This is what's happening in your life. But a relationship requires two-way conversation. I think Jesus is starting this focus shift for us and saying, okay, everything in our prayer lives, really everything in our lives, should focus on God first. So a version just of a prayer might be like this. God, you are a loving God who's in heaven and has power over today. Help us live in a way that honors your name, which is holy. You are magnificent. Help us live in a way that advances your kingdom the way you want it to be advanced. What's your will for us? What's your will for me? Help us live that out in our lives. But to do that, we have to understand that his name is to be kept holy and that his kingdom should be advanced and what that means. And we need to ask what God's will for us might be. So Jesus says, okay, keep your focus on God. What's the second set of three? It's talking about us, talking about our needs. We're like, finally, right? Let's go. Okay, so here's the second set of three. Here we go. This is what it says. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, some translations, some versions, some you know, backgrounds add some words right here. For thine is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. Amen. A lot of transition, translations don't, so that's why we don't have it here. But do you see the three? Give us today the food we need. Forgive our sins as we've been forgiven and forgive others. Don't let us yield to temptation. So we're going to break these down in the, in the same way, okay? So the first one. Give us today the food we need. What's he saying? Literally like bread. Have you heard that term, daily bread? Yes and no. I think he's talking about what we need to sustain every day. And there's a whole lot of background in the Old Testament kind of about that phrase that we won't get into. But I think what he's saying is you will receive what you need no matter what. And here's the problem. We think we need and what we actually is want. And that's the problem. It's not necessarily what we need when we pray. It's a lot of wants. And he's saying, no, no, we can trust God to provide what we need. Here's the second one. He says, you know what you really need? Not just things to survive today, but here's number two. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is what we need. This is an image of, God, of, of Jesus saying every single worst thing that you've ever done in your entire life, you are forgiven. That debt is gone. And so much so that as you are forgiven, you should forgive those who sin against you, who harm you. This is the cross. This is the empty tomb. This is what we sing about every Sunday. And he's saying, God is not just willing and able to give you what you need for today. He's also willing and able to provide for your spiritual lives forever. And because he does that, we should be motivated to extend that same kind of forgiveness. It's in the same breath. And then the third one, he goes, hey, don't let us yield to temptation. 
but rescue us from the evil one. It's the spiritual battles that are raging in our lives, whether we see it, whether we acknowledge it or not. He's saying, God, you can do something about our physical need. You can do something about our eternal need. You can do something about our spiritual needs today. So what's the theme? What's he saying? Well, if the first theme is focus on God, the second theme is depend on God. Now we're just scratching the surface. I went, I flew through that. But I, I do believe we can live out what Jesus is helping us to live out. I think the prayer is really a lifestyle shift from one that's a self-focused prayer life to a God-focused prayer life. So I'd summarize it kind of like this. Our prayers should focus on God as we depend on God. So I'm going to ask you again, how much of your prayer life is about God? I asked myself this question. Oh, look, self? No, I wasn't. I didn't do that. I was embarrassed with my answer because most of my prayer life is about me. This is what I want. This is what I think I need. This is how I want you to show up. Who's God in that scenario? I have to admit, my prayers don't always focus on God first, especially, nor do they always depend on God. And sometimes the laundry list that comes along with our prayer lives, which by the way, I think that he can handle, I think we should do that if we focus on God first and depend on God throughout. So maybe you can relate to that. How do we shift that? How do we focus on God and depend on God in our prayers? Well, I think it's a very simple thing. I think it's practicing that, just doing it. So we wanted to give everybody an opportunity here at the Ridge to put prayer into practice. That's really what the night of prayer is, is all about. So this coming Tuesday night from 6 to 8, we're hosting a night of prayer. Now, maybe that sounds exciting to you, or maybe that sounds miserable to you, or maybe you're like, ah, that sounds intimidating to me. I don't know. So I want to just spend just a little bit of time describing what we'll be doing, because I think that this is a thing that we can do with our entire families. You can also do it by yourself. You can come at any time between six and eight, and you can take as much time as you want or as little time as you want to go through multiple places and stations that will help us do this, help us practice this. It's a self-guided time, so nobody's going to be like following you around and saying, move on or anything like that. And you're going to have an opportunity to do things like uh, take communion and thank God for what he's done on the cross and for forgiveness like we're talking about. There's a prayer wall that we can place our own prayer requests and maybe have other people pray for those things. There'll be people here that will pray with you and for you if you want. And my hope is that this night will help us focus on God in a, in a time that it is really difficult to focus on anything and remind us that we can depend on Him no matter what. And even if you're not super comfortable praying, maybe you're the type of person who's like, I'm not praying out loud in front of you ever. Like, I get it. I promise we won't make you pray out loud. We won't put you in a weird position. But I'd encourage you to come and use the time to talk with God. Because your relationship with God grows when you talk with them. And maybe we'll challenge you to pray in some different ways. My hope is that the night of prayer would be one way that the people who call the Ridge their church home can focus on God and depend on God as we talk with Him. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I am grateful for this example that Jesus gave us. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to actually pray the Lord's Prayer together. And so here, here's how I'd like to do that today. I'll go line by line through the prayer, and you can just pray it where you're at. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want. You can say it in your head, you can say it in your heart, you can say it out loud. That's fine, but I would encourage everybody, just bow your head right now, and then I'm going to go through the prayer and give you a little bit of time after each line to pray that prayer. Ready? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Keep your heads bowed. I'll I'll close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are in such need of you. And I admit right now that oftentimes I don't depend on you. And this reminder today to focus on you and to depend on you to provide everything we need is incredible. See, you are our God, the God of every single person. And as we do this together, as we pray together, we are reminded that you are our Father who loves us and created us, and that you are in heaven, have power over today and yesterday and tomorrow, and that we want your name to be kept holy because it is holy. So help us live that out. We want your kingdom to come today in the way that we live, that people interact with Jesus and the cross because we know it matters and that we want your will to be done in our lives, in the lives of the Ridge, in the lives of your kingdom, in the lives of everyone that we know. We want your will to be done on earth as we know it is done in heaven. And we ask for what we need today. You know what we need. I'm so grateful for that. And we really ask for that forgiveness to remind us of that forgiveness that comes through the cross and the conquering of death and that we are then motivated to forgive other people no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And that you shield us, you rescue us from temptation, that you fight the spiritual battle with us, that you don't let us yield to the devil or to hurt or to pain or to what we've done in our past. We focus on you and we depend on you. And we say this in Jesus' name today. Amen.